Chapter Six of Entrapped by Alice Mangold Deal. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The inquest over, the big hall was cleared of coroner, jury, and the rest. After Doctor Chinnery had given orders for the interment, he and Doctor Bird drove off in his brougham as they had arrived, giving a lift to the London medico, the young Doctor Lethbridge, who was returning to town. The rooks cawed among the mists in the elm tops the house was still as the grave in the library a tete-a-tete was proceeding between young andrew quarles whom the solicitor mr purlby had hailed as heir-at-law and mr purlby of course my dear sir i cannot disclose the contents of the will until i have the pleasure of reading it to you and the assembled household after the funeral said the little lawyer who had waxed cheerful and brisk immediately after the verdict was accepted by dr chinnery and was all alertness but you are the residuary legatee of a magnificent estate as estates go nowadays and although certain conditions are attached to your inheritance they will prove i am quite sure no very formidable restrictions then after receiving orders for a costly if simple funeral of which he was to take the entire management if he would making of course special charges for his valuable time Mr. Purlby departed, and Andrew Quarles was alone. For the first few moments after he had shut the great hall door upon the lawyer he felt half wild, as if his brain must give way. For some horrible minutes the men, the old groom, the gardener, and his underlings, who were removing the tables and chairs in the hall, and Phoebe and Susan, who stood, brooms in hand, waiting to sweep away the dust of many feet from the stone flooring, seemed to him unreal the gnomes or evil spirits of a nightmare he fled out and stood in the chill spring air recovering himself he was in the courtyard the cobbles stood out clear below a fluttering of pigeons above and the kick of the squire's cob in the stable seemed to recall him to himself in an instant it was as if the clouds rolled away from his mind the past was gone the present stared him in the face i am free he told himself in sudden passionate elation not only free but rich rich and zoe zoe is mine for ever the excitement mounted to his brain delirious joy at the idea sent the blood racing through his veins he glanced askance at the closed windows of the house of death he felt he could not bring himself to return there and behave with decorum as befitted an heir who was chief mourner then the idea came to him to ride out anywhere to calm down and enable himself to assume the serious dignified attitude befitting his position he went in found mrs slee recommended zoe to her special care spoke a few words of the inquest told her he must be off on business connected with the funeral which was to take place in a few days and going out again saddled the cob and trotted soberly enough through the misty park along the high road and through the village then he rode uphill to thornham common wasteland on a small plateau where he had often ridden to cool the rage he dared not show the squire to allow his accumulated exasperation to evaporate without injury to himself for andrew quarles as his adoptive father had elected to call him had unsuspected by himself an overpowering passionate love of self of his own individuality he was a born egotist 
as his real father who had won the late squire's betrothed from him had been before him when he fell in love with the newly arrived zoe he was charmed with his own unselfish devotion as he termed it and gave full rein to what was neither more nor less than as violent and ignoble a passion as those which had brought him a sickly beggar an outcast from the parental home to the squire's door now he felt that fate had treated him as he deserved i put up with the old chap's vagaries and tantrums as no other fellow on earth would have done the money is mine i have the first and paramount right to it he told himself as after galloping across the moorland through the fresh spring gorse-scented breeze he drew rein and gazed back to where the topmost boughs of the great elms in the park showed faintly above the lower slopes of the hill the circling rooks like specks of black dust whirling about them what does it matter now how his end came about it was bound to come within a few months leroy est mort vive leroy et la reine as he rode home his sudden wild exultation calmed by physical exercise it was hard to repress the violent impulse to speak to zoe at once but he was sobered enough to recognize that precipitation might retard his coveted joys instead of hastening their realization women are different from men when they have got what they want they begin to be remorseful and to quarrel with the means which brought about their coveted ends he thought and there and then he determined not to seek zoe till after the funeral this was an easy matter for zoe kept her room the house was ghastly enough to send a fellow crazy he told himself with mrs slee in a chronic state of red eyes and sniffles and the housemaids going lazily about with long faces he rode and walked hours every day planning the brilliant future when he and zoe would drink deep of life as he understood life the old clergyman mr warren called once failed to find him or to see zoe who had greatly interested him as he had known her mother when she was the beautiful miss quarles but appeared no more dr bird left them to themselves after telling mrs slee to be sure to summon him day or night if he could be of any use a good job the old fellows show their cards andrew bitterly thought telling himself that they still suspected zoe or himself or perhaps both of having been concerned in the squire's decease makes it easier to disappear when we cut the whole show the funeral day arrived a black hearse and two reformed funeral carriages stole quietly into the great park then took up position near the front entrance of the big shuttered and blinded mansion so unobtrusively that even the yard-dog only rattled his chain and gave a yawn ending in a strangled whine the two invited guests mr purlby and dr bird walked up almost as quietly it's just as if the poor soul had done something awful and they were ashamed of him mrs slee told herself as she sobbed and arrayed herself in the new crape-trimmed mourning she was wearing to foller in the second carriage i ain't ashamed of him whoever else is she added resentfully when zoe sent down a message by phoebe that she was too weak to attend the modest obsequies modest they were a plain if massive oak coffin was placed in the simple hearse then andrew quarles the adopted son and heir dr bird and the lawyer mounted into the first carriage mrs slee alone and sobbing behind a huge white handkerchief was pushed into the second 
and the little cortege moved off slowly down the drive, watched behind blinds by Phoebe, Suki, and her admirer, Josh Lee, the finder of the medicine glass, who had been hidden away until Mrs. Slee was safely out of the house. It was a mild, early spring day. The grey clouds scudded across a pearly sky, showering at intervals. Very few were in the churchyard to see the miser buried, fewer still in the church. The old clergyman, whose poor had suffered through the squire's parsimony, read the service with impressive emphasis, but without emotion. The whole ceremony was cold and formal, and the sexton and his assistant hardly waited until the funeral party were out of hearing to begin filling in the grave. As the sexton flung the earth upon the coffin with a will, Andrew heard the rattle and the thud, and for a moment his courage failed him. He felt suddenly weak and sick, thinking that the day would come when others would hear that sound, and the coffin would contain his corpse, and the grave would be his grave. Dr. Bird said good-bye, repeating his offer to go night or day if wanted, and hurried away looking relieved. Andrew and Mr. Purlby returned as they came, so did the housekeeper, who hastened to the kitchen to see if Susan had basted the sirloin properly and seen to the vegetables. She was determined to inaugurate the new reign by what she called a decent and proper lunch. Phoebe had laid the table for two only. Miss Zoe asked for some lunch to be took up, she said. Andrew frowned, but Mr. Purlby, warming his hands at the wood-fire, smiled indulgently. "'Young creatures are so sensitive, Mr. Quarles,' he amiably suggested. "'A day or two with the blinds up will make a world of difference.' "'Very likely,' said Andrew indifferently. "'He meant to be on guard with Purlby, whom he summed up in his own mind as a beggarly sycophant. "'Meanwhile, until the will was read, it was as well to be on good terms with him.' The foul fiend alone knows he may be my trustee, he told himself. So he was pleasant to the wretched little toady, through luncheon, himself fetching a bottle of Squire Quarles's hoarded forty-eight port, as well as one of a rare brand of claret and a bottle of curaçao. Mr. Purlby's nose-tip was roseate, his eyes were moist, his loose lips wore an indulgent smile, when he proceeded to the library to read the will. The blinds were drawn up. The squire's worn, old-fashioned chair, where he had sat near the fire, was put away in a shady corner. Mrs. Slee had arranged the room, altering the disposal of the chairs and tables so as to save pain to the survivors from late association with the deceased. "'I think we must have them all in,' said the lawyer, who had brought his black bag, and, seating himself before an office table opposite to a row of chairs, opened it, and took out bundles of documents. Will you kindly ring the bell, Mr. Quarles? I want not only Miss Blount, but Mrs. Slee and the two maids. Andrew rang the bell, gave orders, and in a few minutes three black figures, Mrs. Slee and her assistants, were seated, just as a slim figure in deep mourning seemed to glide more than to walk into the room with a murmur and an inclination of the head, which was an inclusive salute to the two men. Andrew, who was standing near the door, feeling, with all his bravado, sick at heart, and feverishly anxious as he awaited the object of his passion, took her hand, murmured some encouraging words, and led her to a chair facing Mr. Purlby. But Zoe did not meekly seat herself as he expected. 
will you please put it there she asked indicating a spot where her back would be to the window no doubt miss blount's eyes have suffered from the half-dock of the house said mr purlby with a wide smile and little bow as zoe seated herself and unfolding a document he smoothed it out on the blotter and prepared to read he read slowly and carefully and sometimes repeated a sentence looking around to see if all present followed the sense after the usual preliminaries the late squire left fifty pounds each to any indoor servants who had been a year or more in his service at the time of his decease and an income for life of fifty pounds to mrs slee the sum realizing the amount to be invested in the funds by mr purlby his executor and trustee there were no further small legacies but expressions of various wishes as to the sale of certain small properties farms houses also of certain shares then came the important subject the disposition of the whole having no male heir and no near relative of my own ran the text i bequeath the whole of my estate real and personal here were enumerated the squire's various possessions in land houses stocks shares and the rest to my trustee for the use of my adopted son andrew quarles provided that he accepts the guardianship of my ward margaret money and the arrangements for the said margaret money's future welfare contained in a document in the possession of my said trustee also that he pays the sum of two hundred pounds yearly to my niece zoe blount daughter of the late stephen blount and zoe his wife formerly zoe quarles then followed details but andrew hardly heard them he had had a blow he was not the possessor of a fine fortune for he had a trustee what hard luck not only that he was to be bothered with a girl what girl anger bitterness raged in his stormy soul but with a valiant effort he controlled their outward signs as mr purlby ended his reading he thanked him calmly and decorously then turning to zoe asked her in a gentle fraternal manner if she had any questions to ask mr purlby none thanks she said i suppose i may go you must do exactly as you like here now and always he returned respectfully and chivalrously then he accompanied her to the door and held it open as she passed out murmuring in her ear i will see you later dearest had she heard he wondered she had hung her head her lovely eyes had been veiled by those sweet lids as she went away their eyes had not met once by and by he muttered to himself as he shut the door mrs slee and her handmaidens had already disappeared then he returned to the table where mr purlby was closely examining some documents seemingly absorbed in technical business and sat down on the chair lately vacated by zoe look here mr purlby you and i have to understand each other he began in a business-like tone first of all who is this girl this future ward of mine margaret money End of chapter 6